welcome to Marsha's Plate. This is an interview episode where we talk to friends, family, other community members, and anybody else we want to talk to. <laughs> hey brother, hey brother, hey sister, hey sister, hey sibling, how are you? Hey brother, hey brother, hey sister, hey sister, hey sibling, how are you? How you been doing? Just checking in today on you. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is your girl Diamond. Uh, we back in the house, and I have uh <laughs> amazing guest <laughs> that is from Houston, Texas. Are you from wait? Are you from Houston, Texas? Yes, I'm from Houston, Texas, born and raised, South Park. Okay, yeah, work. South Park. I wasn't for sure if you like from them. <laughs> One of them country ass Texas towns. I knew you were from Texas, but you know, sometimes, oh, I'm from Lufkin. Oh, I'm no, from no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Atlanta, yeah. Texas, Paris. This when they try to get fancy here. No, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, what? I'm like, girl, them places sound nice, but they still full of Trumpers. <laughs> you couldn't wait to get out of that habit. Listen, don't come right. <laughs> So Hannah I have I have Vertis here as a guest. <laughs> What's going on? Hey, y'all. He, wait, 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 wait. What are your pronouns? Because I know you have you have some non-binary pronouns. Before I call you a he. Yes. What's so your I use, So I use Vernon. She, her, hers. They, them. Never theirs because it's always fun. Yes. All right. So that's what I wanted <laughs> to make sure because I remember meeting you at the gender gender infinity conference is that when we first met yes i think so yes yes and we were having a workshop and mm-hmm. you were so fabulous and so personable and your spirit and energy was I just knew that eventually you were going to be on Marsha's play. <laughs> listen, listen there. I am to please. <laughs> <laughs> and so they are here to share why I wanted them to be here. Uh, the work that they're doing. I always try to have people and showcase people who may not um you may not know them as a listener but i know them because i see them moving and shaking in the world and really out here doing things for the people so i want to show you something too so last year mahogany project gave us an award the ally award in 2020 for March's play. And I am so, I was so happy because this is like the first like actual physical award that we got. We had got other stuff like in regards to, um, you know, somebody honoring us, but like an actual physically sent award. I was like, oh, this is so cute. I was like, this makes me feel sicky. Yes. See, that's what we want. We want to give people something tangible. You know, like we talk about giving people their flowers um, while they're living, right? And it's, yeah, I can tell you um, that you did a good job, right? But it's some, it's nothing like giving you something 
to say, this is how you have sold into my life. This is how you have showed up to me and how I choose to honor you and stuff. Yeah. Oh, we, I so appreciate it. It made me feel so, so special opening the box. And I was like, oh, this is such an affirmation. And it, it just uh, it just made me feel so good. So tell me about where you are from, where you grew up, who is your family, who is your tribe? Tell me about you. So I am a oh, my God, I am a hippie at heart child. I grew up in South Park, Houston, Texas. Well, actually, South Park, Sunnyside. And I have to say South Park, Sunnyside, back because I spent a lot of time in my granny house. Um, and my granny literally lived around the corner um, from Woodson Middle School. And so, um, yeah, I'm from born and raised Texas. I am. Wait, Lord wait, have mercy. That's, we gotta tell, the people, we got to tell the people about Sunnyside. Sunnyside is like one of the murder capitals of the United States. <laughs> Sunnyside is a lot of things, to be quite honest, child. Uh, Sunnyside is actually where the first case of HIV was found here in uh, Houston, Texas. Um, my aunt, because she lived in Sunnyside, she was the first person that ever became paralyzed by a white tick deer. Uh, so the ticks on the white on 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 deers, right? If you can get bit by them, and they can lead to paralysis, a child. Long story. My aunt was like paralyzed for a long time, but eventually she was able to like walk and stuff again. But like she would still have like her long story. Never will be here all day talking about it. But like, hey, man. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sunny Star is like. A lot of things, but I, I will say it's a, a lot of great people and a lot of great things that have come out of Sunnyside and country. You know, it is the murder capital, but the, of the world, but white people are moving in there. They are slowly trying to diversify it and take it over. It's getting this. Um, All right. Well, so when they like, tell us when they tell us that our <laughs> our our places are ghetto and hood and don't want to live there, they 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 move out and then. Now that they're cheap and low and the property value is down, they're going to move in. You know, the classic gentrification story. Yeah, of course, they're going to. Yeah. <laughs> so it's getting like a solar energy like quarter and all of this and they expanding the bio. But uh, yeah, so I am a teacher at heart, which is crazy because. Most of the women in my family have been teachers or worked in schools in some aspect. My aunt who uh, got bit by a dish, she was like a nurse for a while. My mom worked at a school. My other two aunts uh, work at a school. Some of my cousins work at school. So it's just like I just have always had this teaching um, in me and just a person who was just embedded in community. When I stayed in uh, South Park, um, I lived off of MLK and Silencia. I went to an elementary school called Robert Frost. Most of the people, the teachers who taught there, the kids and everything, they were all connected. We would literally get walked to school in, in the morning by some of the teachers. And so because they live, which how community should be, they live within the community. Right. And so I had a very tight knit a sense of community from a very early age and I guess that's how I've always grew up with this sense of community and so I'm such a communal person um just and that's why I say I'm a hippie too because hippies they just love to be around peace love just whatever we need to like just everybody happy that is that is like me and I just yeah yeah I'm a lover of food especially seafood child 
early uh, country music. Ah, come on now. <laughs> early country music. And I like um early TV, like uh, movies. I'm a movie junkie. I have over 300 movies. People don't notice about me. I have like actually maybe a collection of over 500 movies. Uh, I like movies early 90s, early 2000s, some 80s movies. Like I am like movie junkie child. Mm. Tell me about Frida McFarlane. That is my mom. Um, my mom has, to me, has always been the best representation um, of an ally. Um, when I was in elementary school, uh, my mom was a stay-at-mom for a long, long, long time. She was a stay-at-home mom. And my mom just didn't like the conditions that we and my sister was going back to school in. Um, and so she started going up to the school. She started volunteering. My mom was a very, very active parent. She started volunteering. Uh, my mom started working with the local Girl Scout troop at our school. Eventually, she took over the Girl Scout troop. My mom went back to school, got a degree in special education. But before she did that, she actually started working at the elementary school that me, I went to, my sister went to, a host of my cousins. She started working there. Um, and like my mom became like a community mom to like a lot of the kids at that school by through Girl Scouts and through working through communities in school and then just by becoming like a teacher's assistant at the time. She became like uh, a, community, a community mom. And I remember when I was in high school, my mom was so upset. She was so upset because these parents had sent their child to school um, with like two mismatched shoes and both of the shoes were like left shoes. And so the whole day, the little boy feet was hurt. And my mom was like, she just could not take it no more. So she took her lunch period and she went and like to go buy the little boy some shoes. So, so she, not only so he could feel better, but she just didn't want to see him like that. And so it just, it was just like, damn, this lady here. And then I would look back on it and think like my mom, some some Saturdays we would get up and look for my mom and she would be gone somewhere volunteering. Child, she would be like at the big uh, back to school drive at the Georgia Brown Convention Center or she'd been signed up to go volunteer here or volunteer there. Um, and being a Girl Scout leader, she always had to do something with the troop. And my mom became like top tier if you ask me when it came to Girl Scouts because if you're somebody who know how the system works with like selling cookies and stuff like that it's trash quite honestly you sell all these cookies and you get like a light up wand right <laughs> you don't sell like four thousand dollars worth of cookies and you get like a light up wand and a certificate my mom wow. would do it where um actually we had asteroid at the time and so the troop would get x amount of money for like um the cookies you sell. So my mom would fix it where, you know, they asked her how you buy the four pack of season passes for like $200 or whatever. So she would buy that with the troop money as an incentive for like the girls who sold the top four cookies. So now you, you had whatever the little Girl Scout thing they was going to give you. Now you had an opportunity to win like a season pass and like whatever else, like my mama had procured as like the prizes and stuff like that. So the girls wanted to be in my mom too. My mom had like this big Girl Scout troop. She even had like girls who like came from like Bastion and like some of the elementary schools like uh, like in the like some of the neighboring communities like came to my mom's like troop because her troop was like popping. Mm. And so did like, y'all ever feel neglected you and your sister did we uh, 
You know, I would say, honestly, I've been unpacking that more. And I would say not in the sense of when my mom was supporting community. Um, not in the sense of that, right? Because I knew my mom was being there for people who didn't have. I felt more neglected, and this is gonna sound so crazy. When my mom started like stepping in for like some of my cousins and stuff like that, and it was like, girl, they mama right there, they daddy right there, bro. And it's like we can't go here or there, or we it's like I felt like sometimes we couldn't have because my mom would step in for some of my cousins, and it was like be like, girl, they mama right there. Now, now I am a little envious, girl, because I can see. They people, but not when it related to like people in communities, I would say. Mm, gotcha. What are some of your memories of her that was more intimate with just you? Like, what is your, the, the fondest memory? You know what? That's so crazy. I can't think of anything just off the top of my head, but I tell my mom all the time when she feels, when I say something about her, she's like, who you think he is? You don't know me. And I'd be like, girl, I've been with you longer than you was by yourself. Okay. So if anybody knows you better than you, I, I, I know you better than you know yourself. I done been with you longer than you done been by yourself. It's gone on so well. But, you know, I would say probably like the fondest memories of me, now that I think about it is, um, Thanksgiving, I know how to cook. My mom would force me at an early age. Like, okay, you know, I have to cook all this food, so I need you to come in here and cut up all this onions and peppers right. and stuff like that. Uh, De-stem these motherfucking greens, <laughs> baby. <laughs> yes, come up here and uh, clean up these gizzards and stuff like uh-huh. that. Come, come in here and shell these crabs and whatnot. And mm-hmm. so that, and then another one that I can finally like think of very distinctly and, and and it involves like also my grandmother that was very well connected to my grandmother is like my mom always had the privilege of being and I and I always say the privilege of being the one who would take my grandmother grocery shopping and so um, it allowed me the opportunity to not only spend time with my mom but also spend time with my granny because my sister didn't know what the hell she was doing my, my, my daddy would say Lord I'm going to have to pay somebody to take Brittany off my hand um, but I would be the person <laughs> that would like go in the grocery store and have to go with my grandmother and be like, okay, go like, granny, you know, like what you need, we gonna get you this, what you, and then making sure that my granny don't overspend on stuff. Because you know, old people, they just get what they know. They they just get what they see. You be like, well, granny, you know, well, these paper plates, they just as good, girl, and they a dollar cheaper. You like, you know, have to tell her stuff like that, or make sure like the people when she checking out don't try to mess up because my granny, she, you know, go up and they don't like to wear them glasses either, you know. So, you know, I would have to be my granny extra pair of eyes, and that for me, um, I, I enjoyed that time because it taught me how to be there. Uh, for people in community and for family, right? My mom was the person taking care of her mom, making sure she got her essentials. And it also taught me how to be prepared to be that person for my mom as well. As she gets older and stuff like that, knowing that one day I would have to care for for my mom in this capacity, if privileged to be, have to care for my mom in this capacity as well. Oh my God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So, not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, 
I also donate to other podcasts. I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community and I know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here so you're not only helping to sustain us you're helping to sustain other people in a community because I put my money where my mouth is you know that's just the kind of bitch I am community is fuck (laughs) so thank you I really really appreciate you and if you have not become a patron why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please. Do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> All righty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. I like to cook. And, and, and I, it's a caveat to that. I like to cook for people. I don't mm-hmm. like to cook for myself. So like, I'm not a person that every day I'm just cooking for myself. Cook, 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 cook. <laughs> I like event cooking. I love like when holidays come around. I love that. I love the idea of, you know, I, there's an event happening or a gathering happening and I am cooking for my friends and family that are coming to this particular gathering. And so... The food is done. I got everybody play. Everybody is eating. And I'm standing there like, ha, I'm that bitch. It tastes good, don't it? <laughs> 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 that. All of that. It's fire, ain't it? Uh-huh. What Didn't you even know need? All <laughs> what you put in these? You don't need to know. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that. So I'm that type of person. I like those moments. I can't say that I'm not the homely type that I, I tried to be that when I had a little boyfriend in my 20s to cook every day, have a meal ready when he come home from work. And that shit got old real quick. <laughs> and it will. But events, and it will. events, it was my tea. What is your relationship with food, cooking, family, friends, community? So I definitely love event cooking. I, very much because so, like you said that's your opportunity where you can show out for the girls you can just be like oh, I'm just gonna let you let have me it. show you what a bitch can do <laughs> yeah. a bitch can burn I, I can let you have it because this is the event you, you expecting something fabulous so I have to live up to the occasion right so I have to go in I have to let you know I am as Beyonce would say I was here so I have to I have to let have so I, I definitely like uh, event can but I also too um, love intimate um dinner parties i really love intimate dinner parties um what's the so difference not, between those so i would say an event is more like thanksgiving and you cook when you you about to you know you about to twelve pecan pies you about to go make dressing this big pot of gumbo with love but i say with intimate event parties you cooking smaller portions smaller meals you may even cook something a little bit more fancy you might you might cook regular lamb and scallop because it's maybe five, six of y'all. I would say for me, and I was about to say the best example, and I guess this is why I love her so much, is Cartier Brown. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Cartier Brown. She has a, she's a, um, a Southern Geechee chef um, out of uh, Charleston. Um, mm-hmm. And she has a show on Food Network called Delicious Miss Brown. But she got started in Charleston by having supper parties, which is I really want to start throwing supper parties like true tea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's how she got started. But it's like it reminds me of her food. If you like watch her show, it's like every time um she cooks something on her show, it's like for a supper party. She's inviting like 
sometimes two people or three people or four people. Oh, it's very small, very intimate. Sometimes they're even coming over, helping us, you know, prepare small portions right up to the end. Like maybe they come in to help make the the caramel for the dessert or whatever. But it's it's very dead. It's 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 a little bit more intimate than like an event cooking. Gotcha. I like yeah. So I so I like those. I have you watched um two things. One one I'm about to say is like way on out of left field, and one is going to be relevant. Have the left field one is have you watched um Cooking with Paris, Paris Hilton? No, ma'am. I started it. I can't even. Be- First of all, I don't even believe that Paris cooked. So why am I going to watch a show Cooking with Paris? It don't. It, it don't even make make it make sense. <laughs> so I was thinking the same thing, but I was bored, and I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna see what this is giving." And it was actually entertaining. Oh it was foolery, full out, full out. I swear, it was full out, but it was entertaining. And so I wanted to see if you like because she cooks. She invites a person that we know, some type of celebrity, and she invites them over to help them the, her cook a meal. And so mm-hmm. they'll have these intimate, both both of them are in there cooking and fixing something. And at the end, they both sit down and eat what they cooked. And okay. it's actually entertaining because Paris is giving you what Paris gives. She's been giving it since Simple Life back in the day. And, <laughs> and she'll bring other people along that are funny. Like she has Sweetie. She had Kim Kardashian. She had some comedians. She had just different people on that I thought were just really, really entertaining. And then she's always beat from head to toe. Cooking, even while cooking, she said something extra expensive. Well, I can't believe it. So let me ask you a question. So, as a person who watched it, okay, <laughs> do you believe that? Did you believe the Paris cooks now? Do you really believe Paris in the house busted out meals? <laughs> no, but that's why it's ridiculous. She said that she don't know what a whisk is, and then she'll she'll put it on the screen, and it was like a whisk. Uh, uh, <laughs> she'll give it a crazy ass description. That's what makes it funny. <laughs> okay, girl. Now, I'm, I'm going to watch an episode or two. <clears throat> you I'm, know I'm how she watch- be playing stupid and it, she'll, it's just, it's just so extra and funny. So I really enjoyed it. But I know you have watched High Off the Hog. Child, I knew some of the people in High Off the Hog. Exactly. <laughs> so, what was okay? So I watched the whole thing. I binged it. I couldn't stop watching it because <laughs> I live so much. I didn't. I usually sometimes Netflix cooking shows be. Mm, it's either a hit or miss for me. Sometimes they're like super, super good. Like there's this one called Salt Heat. And sugar or salt, heat or acid or something. I can't remember. It's three words, either heat, acid and salt or salt, heat and acid, something that's really fucking good. They go in a deep dive about heat, deep dive about sugar and deep dive about salt in, in, in relations to food. And it's really fucking good. So that's one. So check that out. But when I watched High Off the Hog, when I first saw it, I wasn't for sure what it was going to give. But then when I saw it was a black host and then I saw what they were going to go to, I was like, oh, y'all going to go through African-American cuisine in the country. And baby, I started watching it. And from the first episode on to the last, it just kept me just intrigued, teaching me things, teaching me history of certain foods. 
and you know, just the emotionality and everything about it was just so brilliant and amazing. And I absolutely love it. And, and the connections that they made with Africa, the connections that they made with the Caribbean, the connections that they made everywhere, all the connections um, with mm-hmm. slavery and all that kind of stuff. It just was a beautiful, 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 beautiful show. And I just, I just couldn't stop. I just, I rarely just binge like cooking shows. And so how did you experience it as a person who enjoys cooking too? So I, I would say this first, I, in watching it, I was already very emotional uh, before I even put it on because I, I, we probably don't have to get into this, but did you watch In Our Mother Garden? Oh, yes. It, it was so good. So I had finished watching Dead and Witted to How the Hall. So I might Oh, you was, was already, already you was already there. <laughs> <laughs> My emotions was already high, okay? Uh I was in here crying like a baby, okay? <laughs> uh but I also um so I feel so connected today, especially like um first of all, gumbo, right? I as a person who people Creole cook a lot of Creole food. Love Creole food, love seafood. It irks my soul when people be like, oh, I don't put okra in my gumbo. Because it's like, girl, you're not even making gumbo at this point. You're making soup. Uh, the word gumbo. So I had already knew the stuff about how okra would, had, how it had transitioned from Africa, how it got here. People would put seeds of it in their hats and hair to bring it over here so they could still be sustainable and have a piece of, of home. And how okra can be used for all these different things. During the pandemic, I was growing red and green okra on my porch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew how sustaining and it okra, was. Oh, what people, no, I said okra. <laughs> and okra, what people are also understand, okra it has the most protein content of any vegetable. I did not know that until like recently, probably like um like a month ago. It has the highest protein content of a vegetable. I was like, wow, that's wild. I eat okra so much, child, and I be so full. I <laughs> eat okra all, all all the time because I'm always Creole. I always making a a stew or something, and you gonna always put okra in it as a base. Um. So I, I just felt so connected to that, and it was so it was so beautiful. And then when it got to the part about the cowboys and they came here to Texas and stuff, right? I actually knew a lot of those cowboys. One of the guys who was riding the bull, the really uh, slim, dark skinned guy, his name is Gary Richards. Um, I actually used to work with him at Cavender Boot City uh, when I was in high school. We was working. He was riding bulls. He was homeschooled uh, when we was in high school. He because he was riding around the country there riding bulls. Um, so it just felt, you know, so connected. Also being from, you know, Houston, like I said, and from Texas and seeing how, you know, black cowboys getting their just due for their influence, not just on American culture, but American food culture as well. That is being um, galvanized and utilized across the country and across the nation and the world. Um, it's, 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 it's about time, right? Um, I, I, Listen, I love a fried gizzard with some gravy, baby, okay? And so, and I know that was a good old Southern Cowboy meal. And so, and and you know how many places that is showing up now in food and people wanting to utilize the whole animal and farm to table. Cowboys have been doing that since the dawn of time, explicitly black cowboys, because black people and, and Latin people were taught not to waste nothing because they didn't have privileges like white people to say, Oh, I only want the best cuts and I want to do, you could throw the rest of it. You know, we didn't have the privilege of that. So we was already using the stuff that people didn't want to begin with. 
Right. That's why uh, what you're describing is the gentrification of food. Because, you know, like even like oxtails, oxtails are so fucking expensive now and they used to not be expensive at all. We could make a pot of oxtails like it was nothing because it was the, a big pot. I think. A big pot that motherfuckers didn't. That's a, that was the cut that people didn't want. And now all of a sudden everybody is ooh, restaurants. I have, you know, are having oxtail on the fucking menu and people are really trying to get them. They're oxtail, so now they're fucking expensive as hell. Apparently, girl, they be and so I'm tough at the restaurant. <laughs> girl, they be so tough at the restaurants. You go to these brunches and stuff, and get the oxtails and grits. You like, girl, they didn't even cook this damn oxtail long enough. <laughs> so now, yeah, I can't go get them at a decent price, and you in here wasting them. In here wasting them. <laughs> <laughs> so there is things that we know. Okay, there is things that as black people, when we are because this is our culture. We just know it. And but it's something about seeing it being depicted, getting the investment on productions to showcase it and and um that kind of platform too that we may not have made. Right. And definitely using that kind of platform. And then I, another thing for me was about how, cl- like I said, being from Houston and how close to home it is, right? It's like I always like we talked about, I always feel like the South and particularly. Houston and Texas doesn't always get there just do yes we know it's some fucked up shit that goes on here right and I feel like we only get the limelight around the fucked up shit that goes on here right but we're not talking about how diverse because it is we here and how diverse the food whiteness. is here yeah <laughs> and you can come to this bitch and eat up some stuff on any given day because it's so much diversity here just in not only in culture but in food it is good food here yeah Cause people, even people don't know that like we got the most Vietnamese people in the whole country and we got some fire ass Vietnamese food out here, baby. And, and, and China and Chinese. It is so, it's so much culture. And we got outside of, outside of Africa, we have the biggest popula- population of, um, um, population of, um, Nigerians too. And the Nigerian food, it be busted. Baby. Busted. Facts. <laughs> right. I be like, oh, y'all, y'all really be fucking it up. And I leave. Busted. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of not getting just due, I we we from the South, and there's a lot of times that um, you know, as far we both are EDs of nonprofits, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of time be, being small orgs, we can see organizations really, really um getting limelight, particularly on the East Coast and on the West Coast, and the South is being forgotten. And I really want to talk about that that notion of a little get go deeper in the notion of Texas and the limelight that happens because we we do center whiteness and white supremacy mm-hmm. and not just oh in praising of whiteness but when whiteness is doing its fucking shenanigans we have to we got to spend our fucking time battling them so we have to show cases we there it's almost like because they're doing some fuckery shit they we they snatch the limelight even if we want to 
showcase some of the amazing stuff that's happening, the positive stuff, because of the powers that be. And we're, we're constantly battling against them. We Sometimes we have to dim our light on the positive shit to showcase why fucking um, the Abbott motherfucker is doing crazy shit. Why Abbott is, um, you know, the neglecting us or do get creating signing into these crazy ass laws when it comes to abortion or when it comes to trans um children and just all the mm-hmm. shit that we have to uh feel bad about and feel shame because <laughs> that ain't our motherfuckers that we gotta deal with and so i want to show i want to talk about some of the things that are going on in in our state that we are up against and i want to hear your opinion about them so currently, we have tons of Haitian refugees because a hurricane just happened, earthquakes happened. Before they can even recover from one thing, something uh, something else is happening, and so they are finding their way on our borders here in Texas. And our governor is trying to call a state, get the Biden to call a state of emergency so they can do something about the people, quote unquote, sneaking in and da 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 da. da. And I want to know what you think about that. I think a multitude of things. One, it always have just bothered me. Just, just how is people sneaking into some shit that we just don't own? Like, <laughs> like, I just—it's not always, even fucking yours, motherfucker. <laughs> that is just always bothering me. I just got a headache thinking about that. Like, that has always bothered me. Like, this ain't even your shit. How is somebody sneaking into some shit that ain't yours? This—I don't even understand this. Wait, this reminds me of um, Eva Longoria. They were, t- you know, because she's Latinx. They um they they were telling her um somebody was implying to her why don't you go back to um where you're from because <laughs> blah 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 and she popped them and she said actually the land that I own in Texas my family owned it before Texas was Texas before it was even a part of a United States so the land I'm on is actually mine. And uh, my history is native. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just let me bothering me. It's like we gonna so we just gonna act like the whole land of just Texas and Louisiana and stuff. Just all the shit just went Mexico just to begin with, and the, <laughs> none, of this, <laughs> none of this shit was ours. None of it was America. Not even just saying people who own America just are just privileged to just say, oh, this is our land. But like right. this ain't your shit. How you gonna tell somebody they can't come here? Right. But whatever, but, but but listen, as soon as it got too cold here, uh Ted Cruz ran across the goddamn border. That and that be killing me. People be like, they don't like foreigners, they don't like Hispanic people, they don't like people from Mexico. But bitch, you always in Cabo. You always try to go to some <laughs> you always going land. somewhere else. <laughs> like, I don't get it. So you wanna be able to go to the they place or wherever they occupy, but you don't want the people to come here. I don't get that. I don't get it either. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do want to point out how different it is when 
we think about like these Afghan refugees because they know they fucked up pulling out of Af- Afghan. They're like, oh, we we have allowed 65,000 <laughs> Afghan refugees to come on over because, you know, we know we fucked up and let the Taliban take it back over <laughs> because we wanted to get the fuck up out of there. And, you know, we know they cut motherfuckers' heads off and oppressing women. So we we want to try to do something that look kind of right. So Afghan people, come on over. But you black Haitians under this bridge who are who have suffered from a natural disaster mm-hmm. trying to find a home. Over, over, over again, who we also dropped off on this fucked up island to begin with, but okay. Because uh, <laughs> we didn't want to take you all the way snatched and home, dropped, so we... snatched, dropped them off. <laughs> they had the audacity <laughs> <laughs> to win a revolution. <laughs> <laughs> to win a win a revolution over the French. And because, because they won, the French charged their motherfucking ass uh, so much money to even get, recognize their independence. And because United States wanted to be on the French nuts and wanted to be friends with the French, they embargoed fucking Haiti. So not only have y'all strangled them from the the economic wealth that they could have over centuries, now they're going through, now because of climate change, not just because of climate change, but because of climate change too, because of climate change that y'all organizations and corporations have contributed to <laughs> the global warming. Now they are see re- they are getting the effects of that shit, and you can't even come in and save them. You can't even let them in. You 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 can't even let them come and help a little help them a little bit. Get the fuck out of here! No, they just gonna deploy the Red Cross. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it that's all that they giving me that they gonna just deploy the Red Cross and call it they <clears throat> send some rice send some um, blankets um, at least he didn't come over there and toss some paper towels <laughs> girl <laughs> we're out of that era <laughs> okay, because he's going to hate doing that child mess around and throwing back at him, so he might want to watch himself. <laughs> right, right, right. So, what about this abortion bullshit? What, what is your opinion on the abortion stuff? So, you know, I used to work for Planned Parenthood um, for quite some time, so of course, like you just said, it, I think this is some bullshit. <laughs> I just think this is another just example of just um, white people, white people uh, my, my population is declining. We know that my population, white people, are getting the most abortions. And yeah, I'm pretty sure that we, they the ones popping, pay, uh, uh, playing B like skills and all of that too. And so, because because your population is declining, do you think these are measures that should be taken um, to make sure that your population um, can stay afloat, but not thinking about how it disfranchises other people in other communities? <laughs> and particularly black women who have high mortality rates in the South, right? 
and we're in the South and there's black women who stay here. We're not thinking about stuff like that or just, you know, assault victims or rape victims and things like that. Because you're telling these people I have to potentially carry my attacker's um, child uh, to term, irregardless of, of of my health or my emotionalism or whatever that is that I have. And I just, I don't like that. And I, and what bothers me yet again is we don't never hear motherfuckers talking about mistaking. We'll never hear vasectomies down on on the legislation floor. So we on think all <laughs> we think all motherfuckers over thirty five with two kids to get a th- but this is never on the floor. Okay, so I'm just you know so it, there's just something else that just is interesting to me is mm-hmm. if it's only a woman's responsibility to bear, have, and produce kids, and it's just the shit is crazy and trans men. Yeah. Well, you know, they still talk about they they women too. So. <laughs> they don't consider them. <laughs> I feel I don't know. I feel like they're just winging it. There is some strategy, when but when I it. when I look at in January this January the sixth that little bullshit that they were trying to do. Um, when I look at the rise of Trump, there. And and the the acrobatics that they had to do to start flipping when they saw that he had the potential to win. Mm-hmm. And then once he did win and they had to do all this flipping and changing, it was clear that the the idea that they're over there strategically planning every little thing, that's not true. I, th- I think certain things, they are just fucking winging it. And they are just trying, throwing it up against the wall and seeing what piece of shit sticks. And I've never been more convinced of that in the last five years. I used to have the thing like, oh, the white people are, honey, masterminding this and masterminding that. I'm like, these motherfuckers is really just winging this bullshit. They just waking up every morning and being like, okay, like, see what we can fuck up today. Yeah. (laughs) Just just winging it. And yes, there's some people who are, who have some type of strategy and, but there are certain elements that they are strategizing around that they didn't have any control over. That was like, oh, we didn't know this buffoon was going to (laughs) win. We thought it was going to be somebody else. So now now that we do have this idiot here, let's make it work. And oh, we didn't know that, um, you know, this fool was going to get us in the position where we have the Supreme Court on our side. Oh, shit. Let's try to get all these stupid ass abortion laws through. Let's get all these anti-trans laws through. Let's see what happens. We didn't know that this was going to happen. But now that we have this in our favor, now let's strategize to do something. Until some other monkey wrench come in the, we didn't know they were going to hire the black woman as the VP so she could be um, the last vote. We didn't know that was going to happen, but damn, that doesn't work in our favor. How can we work around this? Oh, okay. Well, let's make it a bounty hunting thing. Let's make the abortion <laughs> where everybody can sue a bitch who's getting an abortion. <laughs> and then, you know, Texas just signed, have the law now where, like, because, you know, apps like Reddit and stuff like that was banning bounty hunters and people who was posting information um, related to, like, the abortion bans and where people was getting them and stuff like that. So Texas has this, just signed this law maybe like a week or two ago with, like, if your, your website can't ban 
um, stuff like that, or people who have opposing views or stuff like that. If you're if you operate on the World Wide Web and you operate in Texas and stuff like that, you can't do that. What? Child, mm-hmm. so, I don't know. I just I just feel like <laughs> they're winging it. That's what I mean. I feel like they're trying it and seeing. And the more they and this is what I why I'm disappointed a lot of times with Democrats. Because the right will press the envelope. They'll see what'll work. They'll keep pushing. How far can we go with this? How far? And and as they keep pushing, they nudging it over further to their way, further to their way, as far as they can go. But Democrats is, oh, we got to be soft. We got to be bipartisan. We got to do it in a tender way. We got to be real careful about how we move forward. They don't just take it by the horns and try to see what we can grab in this moment that we have the power. (coughs) They just don't. They just don't. They don't. They don't. And I they don't so never go to the table and be like, "Look, motherfucker, we got the swing vote. We got this. Like this was this was about to fucking go down right here. This was about to. It, it's never that. It's always like, okay, so what can we get? You know, we're here. We, you know, we know we have we, but we want to work with you. We want to show that we're. Uh, and I'm sick of that shit too. Like that, I don't feel like that's never got us anywhere. And this is my minimum wage been seven, what twenty five for how long? Like. This is like sh- shit like that. And it's just like, we, well, we can't have affordable housing while places like rent and stuff keep going up in places, California and, and, and hell here. Cause let's not be fooled. We still talking about, you know, you can still get you a nice apartment, a nice thing that you can pay. Uh, you're not paying Atlanta, California, New York city prices, Chicago prices, but the shit is still going up. It is, it is, you, you is getting to a rack for a, a, a Six hundred, seven hundred square foot one bedroom apartment. Right, <laughs> so let's not be fooled. And so that's because because you girls not showing up to the table and saying like we not taking this no more. And and are you like like you said, Trump pulled all the bullshit for uh the getting the the Supreme Court nominee. But you girls, yeah, when it's y'all turn this up, it's like, well, no, we have to show up. We have to show up and do it the right way. And, Motherfuckers are tired of that. And, and one of my favorite movies is Vampires in Brooklyn. It's actually one of me and my cousin's favorite movies. And I love when Pops was in the movie. He was like, have you ever just saw a motherfucker flip-flop in front of you? He just did some flip-flop and shit. He just flip-flop. I feel like that's Democrats. They just, they come, they tell us all this good stuff during the election year. They did, they get in the office and it just, then the motherfucker just flip-flop in front of you. It just, it just, it just happens. And it just, and it's like, wait, that's not what you told us. It's not what you, like, why are we st- still talking about the, the John Lewis voter right act? It should be, the only thing we should be saying about this shit, it has been voted on and put into law. Like, in the discussion, we still shouldn't be talking about it. what Democrats are going to do about it. What decisions are they going to make? Oh, Democrats are waiting and they're watching Republicans take more and more insults on Roe v. Wade. Like, girl, like, why are we doing this? <laughs> it is, it's not adding up. It's not adding up. <laughs> so, in 2017, one of our friends, one of our... Uh, the baby dolls of our city, China Gibson, was um, murdered in her hometown, um, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And it sparked something in you. 
tell me what that sparked. Uh, actually, it it's it just so many emotions, and the reason why I say it is sparked so many emotions for me, um, I just happened to get on Facebook, um, right after it happened. Um, so there was a guy with an actual live video at the scene, um, and he was begging and pleading with the police officer to cover up her body. That is literally all he wanted. Like, can you just please cover her up? Can you please cover her up? Can you like, I have never in my life saw no shit like this. He was like in tears. Like he was begging and pleading with the police officer, please, like, I know she did. I know y'all have to do what y'all have to do, but I'm just asking, can you please, 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 please cover her up? And they was just not budging. It was like, they they gave no fucks. And it, like, really, really broke my heart um, to just, one, watch that um, and, and see um, somebody have to beg and plead for somebody's humanity um, in their death. Um, and then two, so like you said, to know that there's somebody who, 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 while this may not have been their home, this was a place that they called and occupied as a home, um, and being able to have so much access to them, um, and, and see them often. Right. And I like to be clear people like I did not know China Dawn personally. I did not, but I have so many people that I am connected to who were directly connected to her. Um, and so, it was just for me, it was like, well, damn, this is somebody that I could have really got to know. And I didn't take the opportunity. People always said how nice she was, and how sweet of a person she was. And like, how could this happen to somebody just that people just always have so many nice things to say about? As if that's a fucking bulletproof vest or some shit. But nevertheless, it just it just really made me think that. And it just really sparked a lot of emotion. Like, what are we doing? Uh, for community here what are we doing to show people that we love them while they're still existing and not waiting to to they die not saying that anything that the guy did pleading for her death was wrong but like like why do we have to wait to that moment to show like how much love and admiration that we have to for a person right because you can clearly see that he was somebody close to her he was somebody that loved her he was like really like messed up about this and it, it just really broke my heart. And so it just, you know, ignited a spirit into me to be connected, get engaged in community and see how I can mobilize um, my support and resources that I had um, for, you know, transgender communities here in Houston, particularly black people. Which was crazy because a lot of people do not know this at the time, like I didn't even have a fucking job. I literally had just moved back to Texas um, from Las Vegas. I was working with Planned Parenthood. I was working for a super PAC um, via Planned Parenthood and immigrant voters. No, immigrant voters win super PAC. And I was also working on a Captain Cortez Masto's um, campaign um, in Las Vegas. We won the Captain Cortez Masto campaign, but hell, Donald Trump became president. The first thing he did was start defunding Planned Parenthood. So all of us who was working for Deep Planned Parenthood, who was living in all these different states, and they was paying for all of these resources and shit like that, they sent us all home. And so I was back in Texas with like no job, trying to figure out like, okay, what the fuck am I going to do? What is my next step? And like, the only, and I was back at home, and the only thing that I could think of that gave me kind of like freedom 
um, gave me the opportunity to kind of like figure things out and kept my parents from like worrying about me was doing Uber Eats. Because my car wasn't fit enough to do Uber, but girl, I could do Uber Eats. Um, so I literally uh, kept myself occupied um, and employed and even built my organization and our first set of events solely off of money from Uber Eats. Mm. So, you know, it, 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 so for me, it ignited um, a calling. Um, and I, earlier, you talked about like being in a style. Um, Saturday, I did a, um, a training for gender infinity. And my topic was, um, I am what my community needs discussing a black queer feminist lens with a Southern influence. Because while we talk about a black queer feminist lens, it's this, this, you know, this concept of preserving queer, um, trans, able-bodied people um, and thinking in a mindset that everybody's not just head and, um, you know, all of these things, right? But I think I missed opportunity and that our opportunity for people who live in the South to take that up further is to implement our unique genocide choir of Southern hospitality, right? Which is, you know, being cooking for a community, right? And so how I said like the supper parties that I would love to do, I would love to bring those back in more of like an advocacy realm, having supper parties where getting uh, executive directors together and having supper parties. And we talk about like, girl, this is how we're going to take this shit over right here. But we're doing it while we're getting fed and we're nourishing our bodies, right? And our spirits. And so, you know, those kind of things. And so it just, it just really ignited just so much in me in just community and, and really shaped by how I wanted to be engaged, particularly here in Houston. Mm. I was, I have friends all over and I always, I hear them talking about the numbers that they generate with these grants. And I'm like, we down here doing work with 7,000. <laughs> <laughs> and doing, doing, doing life-changing work. You know what the fuck? Like, seriously, I, I, whenever I come across people and they be like, what do you want people to know about Houston or about Texas, about, you know, the people? I mean, my thing is, I want people to know that there is so many amazing community advocates here that are not only working, but people who are budding into their own, that are doing amazing work here in Houston and in Texas and we are just simply waiting for people and the right resources to tap into us that is it that's that it. Is it I remember and such this uh, people don't understand why I came here and stayed I came in 2007 and what I saw in community was fucking beautiful I came when Big Yo's was open Mm-hmm. I came when Bartini's was open. I came when um, what was all popping? Breakers, that was a cishet club. Breakers, um, Met- Metropolis was popping. So now you talk about the clubs that was on the radio and stuff like Breakers. Yeah, and I, 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 so <laughs> of course, twenty twenty was popping. So those are the queer clubs. So Big Yo's, twenty twenties, Bartini's, <laughs> that was popping. And of course, um, it's called T. It's called Barcode now, but it was called TC's at the time. Um, uh, Hamburger Mary's wasn't there. Uh, Mm -hmm. What else was over here? 
Um, Crocker was, JR's was. Oh, girl, you came when they used to have the uh, Hollywood Vietnamese did on Sundays. They yes. turned it into the happy hour and the DJ yes. and everything. And like, <laughs> yes, it was. It, this 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 is was a heyday. He's reminded. I don't want to say anybody else had it. This is when it was like, oh my God, this is what the nightlife for Houston is like. It it the the queer. The queer nightlife was just as popping as the cishet nightlife, and I could just oscillate from both. Like I would go from the gay club to the straight club. Like you, you be at the gay club. <coughs> I'll go to the gay club to two o'clock in the morning, and then pop over on Antoine and Tidwell at Third Coast after hours, where they fucking drinking liquor in red cups and smoking weed in the motherfucking thing with all the hood niggas. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was and but I would be having, right. It was so fire. I just I was like, this is my motherfucking type of city. I can go Vogue over here and fucking Kiki with the trade, the hood, the uh, the fucking um Acres homeboys over here, and it just was a whole different vibe. And then I can go on fucking 1960 and be at night moves at the roller rink or whatever. It was just so many different things that I would um. D1, um, <coughs> Clayton's. It was so many different things that I could, that I was. Clayton. Clayton's off of um, Imperials. It was in Greenspan. Everybody used to be over there. Yeah, yeah, it just was fire. <laughs> um, and I just had such a good fucking time. And it was, it just, I had never experienced um, that variety in nightlife when it came to a city. Houston gate, but, but the feel of, the same feel that I would get like when I was in Mississippi, rural Mississippi club, like it was like a Southern feel, but with a big city vibe. <clears throat> and yeah. that's why I fell in love with it. And so it was, it was really, really quite amazing. And the, in the, and the, the people was flourishing, like the queer people. It was, it was so big that, um, like the in even though it's segregated as fuck, I gotta say that um, the groups are segregated as fuck. There's some overlap, but the black queer lesbian community had their own thing that was popping. The black gay male community had their own thing that was popping. The trans girls had their own club that was popping where they most of them all went to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> segregated and there was some overlap but it's every each individual club was popping in its own little right and i had i had such so much fun exploring it and seeing the flourish of black people the flourish of um so many black people because people don't understand that in the south we have the most um black people out of all of the united states we are concentrated in the south and so it is to, to, to go and have this big ass community in this red state. It just was amazing. I just, it just, I never, I don't ever want to move from Houston. I love Houston. <laughs> you know, I want to travel, but I want to leave it sometimes. <laughs> no, so I can I want to leave it sometimes, but I don't want to, I want to, um, you know, I want to live here. This is where I want to live. Yeah, listen, I gotta agree to that. Like living in Las Vegas, living in Denver, loved it, right? But it's just like something about Texas. It'd be like, 
I can't shake it. It's like, you like even when I travel out of town, it's like, so when I go places just for vacation, I'm a normal, I'm going to travel somewhere. I'm going to stay about five days. I feel like three days, not long enough. You, three, you stay three days, you start to just get good in, in the floor. It's like, oh, I got to pack up and go home. Five days to be dead, but I'm not going to lie. By day three, I'm like, damn, I miss Texas. Girl, I just want to get big home. It ain't nothing like you hear the little flyers in the Oh, we are now descended in Texas. Be like, girl, like, yes, now I feel like now I feel, I feel like I'm being reborn again. What's the plan? <laughs> What's the plan? <laughs> right. So it's just, it's just, it's just, it's, it's just something um, about being here, the climate, the atmosphere, and like, and, and like you said, despite being in a red state, um, it's so much that's happening. It's so much that's going on, and then we know that. You know, Houston is a very diverse city to begin with. Um, and so I, I, maybe that's another thing, you know, this, you know, <laughs> Houston is, is like David Ruffin in the Tim Chases. We are Houston. We are Houston. And everything else is Texas. <laughs> <laughs> we don't even be fucking with Dallas like that. <laughs> <laughs> and Paul San Antonio. Okay. <laughs> but let's say hard. Antonio is Mexico. <laughs> Very bad. <laughs> but it's just like, that's how it is. Like, it's like we are, we are David Ruffin. It's like, we be like, you know, you call the Texas. Oh, I was at an event, and they had caught me up, and they was like, Vernice McFarlane from Dallas, Texas. I said, from Dallas, Texas. <laughs> now, I would have preferred you to mess my name up than to tell the people that I was from Dallas, Texas. Okay, like I would have strongly preferred you mess my name up than to tell the people that I was from Dallas. So tell me about <laughs> intimacy and love and relationships. Where are you finding joy and intimacy? And are, are you hopeful? Are you, you know, are you in love? Are you dating? What does that look like for you? Girl, I'm about to give me a cat to go with my dog and a goldfish. And we just <laughs> we just gonna live happily ever after, okay? That's just gonna that's just gonna be what it is, okay? Because um, the men folk are just not. Uh, they are just not. They are just not. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know if I'm. Gonna, I don't. So I have been doing some soul searching recently. And I know that I used to be a very very angry person. I used to be a very angry person. I'm not gonna lie. Um, Which is so surprising. Yes, I used to be very angry. <laughs> it really is very surprising, right? Um, but I don't know because of that. Have I just spooked the men folk away? Um, or if I am intimidating to them or whatever the case may be. I don't, I don't know. But I don't really have a dating life. There's not people that come up to me and, and uh, that say, you know, that they want to date me or they are interested. And I, and I guess in people that I tell that I'm interested and I mean, it'll go somewhere for a little while and then it, it just dies off. And so I don't, I don't know if it's like that intimidation factor. Uh, and I don't want to say that I am too busy because despite being a direct executive director and having a job and doing all of these things, I'm a person that believes in making time for people, right? I believe it's something that you truly want to do or invest in. Like you can find the time to do it. So I, I'm all about that, right? I mean, so I don't know, child, but I'm, listen. 
I'm about to get Zuri a cat. I'm about to get the cat a goldfish, and we just about to live happily ever after. <laughs> I, the who I am today, I just I didn't know I could be. I know in my past, in my teens, in my twenties, and I just cared about having a man, cared about love more than I do now. Now I'm like I'm chasing bags. I am. Um, I just, I just don't have the desire, the desire, the patience, the, um, it reminds, it reminds me if I, if I, if, if I can give a little context, it reminds me of when I was an escort and I stopped. And then when I tried to go back in and maybe like I was on a trip and was like, oh, let me put up an ad and see what it gives. Back when I was a full-time escort, dudes calling my phone and negotiating prices and, you know, setting up the clients and da-da-da-da-da. It was nothing. It was a part of the job. I didn't even think about it. But when I had stopped and I had tried to go and put an ad up and see what it gives and see, oh, I'm in a new city. I ain't got nothing to do. Let me see if I can make some money real quick. I was so annoyed on that phone with them clients. (laughs) I was so annoyed I was like, what? You got what? You want to do what? Where previously <laughs> I would be just like, oh, this comes with the territory. But because I had been out of the business for so long, I was like, oh, no, I can't deal with this. I don't have the patience for it. Like, I literally cut my phone off. And so now I, I trans. I think that's what's happening with my my regular, regular dating life. Because I remember when I was younger... I could stay on the phone with guys for hours, hours talking about whatever we would music, relationships, talking on the phone, sitting in the bed. When you go hang up, you hang up first. I hang up first. What, whatever <laughs> cute little thing that I used to do. I cannot stay on the phone with a man longer than five minutes. <laughs> I just can't. I cannot stay on. I have to be like, uh, I don't know. I just don't. I, I just don't have the patience anymore. I, I don't know if I'm getting to walk for my bridges. I don't know if um, I'm just getting older and girl, come over. Let's talk in person or I don't know what it is. But even in person, I'm like, you're going to pull that ticket or, <laughs> or, or like or we when we done. All right, baby, where you about to go? <laughs> <laughs> Let me send you home. I just sitting and chilling. I just don't have the patience anymore, and I don't know what what brought that on. But I just don't have it. I I, I can't say that. I'm, oh, I'm ready to get my cat and and live happily ever after. But I just know the tools that I thought get get me build relationship with people, like talking and sitting on the phone, chit-chatting, going on dates. I don't have the patience for that no more. I just don't. I, I really, I wish I just had somebody that magically was just my type and fit in my life. And, ooh, we, we're deciding to be together. <laughs> you know, I, I wish for that too. You know, so recently you post something that I had to actually share with this guy friend of mine. You post this video of like, of this guy talking to this girl. He was like, you know, we don't date. 
you know, we just, we, I think he told him we was like real just good friends and stuff. Like, I, we, I, we want to have sex. Yes, I want you to suck my dick. I want you to do this and I want you to do that. But no, you can't have sex to nobody. No, I don't want you to date nobody. And there is some guy that actually, I would say it's daddy extreme. It's like, oh, because we don't have sex at all and we've never had sex. But he does give me like this very 1950s, like, he's like, thing is always, we're really good friends. And I'll be like, what the fuck is really good friends? Like, I feel like <laughs> in my bit- in obituary, they were really good friends. Like, what the fuck? Like, no, <laughs> no, no. What does that mean? <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> like, oh, when you find some historic texts and they be like, Jacob and Jonathan were really good friends. They were lovers, girl. They were lovers. Like David and Jonathan in the um in the motherfucking um um Bible. <laughs> <laughs> they were lovers, girl. They were lovers. And so I had to send this to him. Like, like this is this is how you are. Like, this is what you've been giving me. Like, I don't want you to do this and I want you to do that. But you know, we're just really good friends. Like, girl, no, but I don't know. I, right now, I, I honestly think maybe I'm too intimidating. Maybe I don't scared off the man. Maybe I'm gonna have to if the Illuminati is watching this, um call me because that seems like that's gonna be the only way I'm gonna get a man girl. I'm gonna have to sacrifice <laughs> 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 I'm gonna have to sacrifice somebody. <laughs> I I remember recently I had this guy, he um I just have uh, I feel like the guys are navigating in a different way recently than it than in the past. In the past, it felt like all of them was on the same page. Oh, I gotta convince her that I want to be in a relationship to get the draws, to get the panties. So they, you know, they do whatever they need to do. And and their strategy may be different. Some of them are, you know, talk to you on the phone, some of them take you out on dates, buy you some trick off. The goal is to, you know, pretend in some kind of way that I'm trying to get, I'm trying to be where she's at to mm-hmm get the panties <coughs> but recently i just have had dudes come in from various goals various mindsets various ways i've had this dude come at me through his girl on some polyamorous stuff which was weird because I you ain't never heard me say I'm into the poly shit. That ain't my ministry. <laughs> that you that I could see if like I was like, oh, I'm a, I'm open to polyamory and to the I ain't never said that. That ain't my ministry at all. I don't like sharing nothing. I don't. <laughs> and so that um, and then if I even tried that idea, even if I tried that it would be with somebody that I'm already with. I'm already established with. We already got a strong ass bond and we doing something different. We're exploring something else. It's not, I'm not going to come in on a situation that's already been established. I'm not going to, um, yeah, that's no, that's not how I do. So, or I have dudes who are coming at me. So I have this dude. Now we don't hooked up before we had a relationship, not a relationship, but, uh, um, uh, um, situationship where you know we went on we dated and you know we had sex and da 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 but the rule with him was you know i don't mind doing all this stuff with you 
but there has to be an element of quality time within our um our arrangement that was the mm-hmm. my only caveat like if you're trying to sex and have fun because i like to sex and have fun there has to be added quality time you know and so it got to the point where he was trying to skip on the quality time and so he didn't understand why i kept telling him no on the sex part because you ain't built that kind of you know i'm not demi i'm not demisexual at all i can bang if i whenever i want to bang but for some situations, it's like you got to build up that kind of turn on situation. And but he this house up. Yeah. <laughs> and so he recently contacted me and was trying to see me talk about he missed me. I was like, boy, this ain't um you don't understand that when I give you the option, when I tell you what I need from you. And you don't do it, I'm not interested no more. Mm-hmm. And you don't understand that there are niggas out here that are doing what I asked you to do. <laughs> so why would I waste my time hooking up with you when I have somebody who is doing all the things that I need them to do? And and he's like, but well, I do th- well, I do this, and he thinks that giving me head, particularly giving me head, is something special, as if. You're the only person I do that with. Who cares? That's what they all say. I, that's what they all <laughs> they all give me that, and I don't care. I was like, you say that to me as if I put value in me. You, you, oh, you, the only person. I don't put value in being the only person. I don't care about being number twenty three, number fifty two, or number four, or number one. I don't care. What I care about is when you do me. Is it good? that's what i care about and so you put you think i put value in that and i don't and so you don't understand because i don't put value in that that i have somebody over here that's doing everything that i want them to do and you are not doing that and so i'm never going to choose you and i had to be very direct with him like that and he and he he was offended he was offended by um I thought we were deeper. He kept saying, I thought we were deeper than that. And oh, I was like, shit, me too. That's why you were supposed to show up. <laughs> deeper. <laughs> Define deeper. What, what does that look like? What does deep look like? Just us hooking up? Because that's not deep. <laughs> what I was trying to do with you was trying to be deep. The quality time and the and that, that that gets that's when it gets deeper. But us just trying to fuck around and you give me head. Oh, I'm over by you. Can I come through? And you want to give me head? That we had those moments. That's not deep. Yeah. That's convenient. <laughs> that, that doesn't make it. And so it that's made me convenient. think about what you said as far as them saying, you know, we're just really real. I thought we were closer than that. We're just we really really good friends. I consider you one of my closest friends. Do you? Do you? Really? <laughs> Let your, me know. Your bar is really low. You get very Nene Levi. I don't even know your birthday. <laughs> yeah, in some cases, you even your last name, honestly. Uh, or even your real name. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, like seriously. It get very Nene Levi. Ooh, I, I didn't know how many real friends I actually had. <laughs> Because under your standards, I got a lot. Right. What is coming up next for 
Mahogany Project? We have a lot of things coming up. One in particular is Black Trans Empowerment Week is coming up. Um, Black Trans Empowerment Week is going to be November 15th through the 21st. Um, and we have some amazing things planned. Um, we're going to be working with Chevelle Brooks in a Boom Boom Room to do a, un- a trans unity ball. Uh, we're going to do our first soul giving, which would be like our version of a Black queer trans Thanksgiving, Friendsgiving celebration. Um, and then we're going to have, we're going to do something different this year with the Tea Party. We're going to try out a brunch type event um, for the Tea Party. So we have that. And we'll have some other events we're going to be doing that week as well. Um, but one of the most amazing things is uh, we're going to be opening up our center very, very soon. Oh here. my God, that is so fine. Yes. <laughs> I'm actually really, really excited about this. Like you said, we know um, living in the South, being a trans-led organization, being a Black trans-led organization, just being Black, that usually just equates to less funding, less resources. Um, And so you have to do more work to be able to stand in these places and have these privileges of creating these um, type of avenues and outlets and stuff. I'm just thankful um, that I'm able to now have the resources um, to to do this. And so, um, and, and be another place for community um, to actually show up. So if I'm not mistaken, this will actually be the first um, center that is open that will be um, Black trans-led founded. Yeah. And probably like the second, because the only one I ever hear about is fucking Montrose in them. And they're not even a, a trans uh, center. They're LGBT center, which usually was originally founded for the uh, for white gaming. So yeah. <laughs> so that is so beautiful. What what do you plan on once you guys open up next week? Well, really tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. What it what is services? What kind of programs are y'all going to be having there? What can the people come and support? Right. So we already have Uprising, which is our self-defense program that we provide self-defense items. Instead of mailing those out, if you're somebody who's local, you will be able to drive by the office and pick those items up. Um, we also have bus passes available, um, condoms and lube. I know a lot of the other agencies have been having a shortage on on lube and stuff like that. We ain't got no shortage on lube. I buy lube for the people. So we got um, condoms and lube. Um, um, what else? We'll have little snacks if you're a person who want to come have snacks and stuff like that. We'll have that available. Just hang out. Um, we'll also have hygiene products available. Um, in the future, we're also looking to um, bring in things like a few gaming systems and things like that. So, um, you know, youth and stuff who want to stop by during the day and play video games or um in the afternoons or whatever, they'll have that available to them or watch movies and stuff like that. Um, so there are definitely be resources available. You come, can come hang out. You can come kick it. You can come volunteer. Um, if you're interested in like helping us get the space set up, because while I'm sure we're going to be open tomorrow, it's still going to be plenty of things that we need to still get you know, done. And tomorrow it won't be the official grand opening, right? But it'll just be, we'll be open. We'll be delivering, you know, providing services. We'll be in that space. Uh, We'll have an official grant opening at a later date, but we're going to be working and occupying out that space 
um, getting it set up. Uh, but, but like I said, more than person getting um, community the resources that they need. So a year from now, when it's your first year anniversary, mm-hmm. what kind of impact do you want to have on the city? What do you, what can we expect in your, in your plan, your growth? So a, a year from now, what I can what you guys can expect and what I would like to see happen is we have more state pay, uh, staff on board because a lot of people don't know this, but nobody at the Mahogany Project gets paid right now. Uh, we all do this work for free, including myself. Um, so a p- paid staff um, to be able to serve people more effectively and efficiently. Uh, we'll definitely like to start having um, more direct service programs um, and, uh, and, you know, and, and even the opportunity um, to help in-house with name change and gender market changes as well. I think that's something else that we would like to do as well as increase our capacity um, providing in-house training uh, for people who are looking to be more knowledgeable about trans identities, um, living into in the South and and, and the, in some of the um, disparities that we face as gender expansive people, um, using a Black queer feminist land, um, you know, those things. Um, and also, supper party. <laughs> I definitely want to make um, community supper parties um, a thing going forward as an opportunity to um, strengthen and grow um, the community bonds and the work that we are doing here, um, community and collective. And plus, I want the people to taste my uh, my tricky my chicken Creole because we because we had talked about hey, cook it up really. Good. And like, you know, I like to cook, you know, whatever I cook for somebody the first time, I like to cook them like chicken Creole. That's like the dish. Mm. I'm down. Let me know. I'm a <laughs> <laughs> I love me a old Vito, honey. I, live, I come through and get my life. When I see you in community, I'm all always proud of you. I am always inspired by you. I love how... um Y'all, you and the people that you are in community with share what y'all are doing, the passion, the love for community. It makes me feel like we are kindred spirits and it makes me feel like I'm definitely not out here in this Houston space alone. And I just want you to know that I appreciate you and I want to thank you for your time. And I thank you so much um, for saying it. And I want you to know, I don't even have to see you. It's just. If I hear your laugh somewhere, it warms my heart. And I think I have said this on social media over and over and over again. Uh, your laugh is, is a comfort of home. It is uh, a reminder of a gentle touch, um, a moment to pause, um, and just to be carefree at any opportunity. Um, like, I, I live... For simply the the, the last of diamond styles, right? And I just want you to know it. <laughs> mm, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I will put Vernus's contact information in, in the bottom. Let them know where they can find you. So you can find me, me particularly, you can find me on Instagram at vfierce. That's v f e e r c e. Um, you can also find me on Twitter. I'm building um, my Twitter base. You can find me at VLM3 because um, I am Vernus Lee McFarland the Third. 
<laughs> so you can find me at VLM3 um, on there. But then you can also find me on All Things Mahogany Project. You can find me um, at the Mahogany Project INC on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can find me um, TMPHTX on Twitter. Um, I'm always in a group of shaking and baking with the Mahogany Project. So <laughs> you can find me there too. <laughs> yes and we will be doing a feature on them on our instagram page so i have all the information there and on the bottom so make sure you check it out and thank y'all all for listening to marcia's play and i will see y'all next week all right bye-bye peace out <laughs> well that's it thank you for coming and getting a taste of marcia's plate you can listen to us on itunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars, y'all. And go like our Facebook page and leave some comments. We'll be posting exclusive content every Thursday, so you definitely don't want to miss out. You can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamond, S-T-Y-L-Z, at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye. Bye-bye. You gonna say bye, Mia? Oh, bye, y'all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Every little thing's gonna be all right. Oh, don't you worry about a thing. Baby, it's gonna be all right.